Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. All right, guys, what's up? What's up? Um, today we got a cool, cool episode. We got Coach Anthony Gillich, right, at uh, Central Arizona College here in Casa Grande, or is it yeah. Coolidge or Casa Grande? Yeah. Casa Grande. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Atlas is Coolidge, but yeah, Casa Grande a little better. Yeah. There we go. Um, so yeah, today we talk about you know he's uh, one of the most successful, in my opinion, coaches in in uh, junior college baseball. So congrats on that first and foremost. But cool. So we were just talking off air. Our whole our whole staff played JUCO baseball, you know, which is pretty cool. Um, minus you know a couple guys that didn't play baseball in college, which is which is awesome too. But you know they also went to junior colleges or coached at junior colleges. So um, you know. I just talk about let's let's talk about our experiences first before we get with you, Anthony, with Coach. Um, you know, Brandon, you and I kind of have a cool relationship on this, but you know, talk about going to uh, Northwestern first, yeah. and then yeah. going to McCook, and like why you think junior college helped you, you know, and got you to the point of being able to play pro ball a little bit, and then go from there. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, the reason why I even came to meet you, DJ, is because I needed training at the time. Uh, I was a graduated high school senior. I had probably like 100 and maybe 20 pounds soaking wet. Um, and basically, it was kind of obviously not highly recruited, but had some some offers and some interest and ended up at Carter Northwestern. Um, and obviously, there, was playing there. I um, was trying to play a position. I didn't really play a whole lot. I was trying to get converted into a pitcher a little bit, also play up the middle. And by Thanksgiving, elbow was just crap. Couldn't even basically bend down to pick up my backpack to go to class. Uh, so came back over Thanksgiving break, ended up finding out had basically a pretty severe strain like UCL elbow was pretty, pretty jacked up. So um, that's when we kind of even got a little bit more connected because then basically after that happened, it was just basically to the, to the lab and back to the rehab side because obviously it was kind of done playing at that time because it was a uh, six, like eight month. Eight, six to eight month uh, shutdown period. So I was just like, probably not going to play that next spring and uh, wasn't really happy at the the school or the place I was at anyways to begin with. So kind of had future plans to move on. So kind of just um, focused more on just the development side while I was while I was there and um, did all that I could outside the, uh, the elbow injury. And uh, me and you kind of just went after it, gained some weight. Um, and then after that school year ended, um, came back played or basically did a tryout for a summer team at the time they were looking again for a pitcher and um, it'd been like six to eight months since I had uh, really thrown but basically just been training and ramping up and then uh, came out through a bullpen forum and basically long story short slowest ball I threw was like 87 88. Yeah, I remember them going how hard do you throw you're like 81 80 maybe 81 yeah 82. so yeah honestly yeah, that's like I said in high school was not a pitcher at all like I said I was middle infielder through and through basically my my whole life and then um, when I got to Rangeley at Northwestern they were looking for you know basically anybody just to kind of fill up the bullpen so I was like hey I can you know I can throw a strike at 80. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so basically was doing you know, all the pitching yeah, yeah. stuff on top of all the infield stuff. And then, like I said, elbow and arm was definitely not used to that new volume. So it was, you know, it was crapped out by Thanksgiving, ended up not playing or, you know, doing any heavy throwing for six to eight months, that whole basically period where I was down. And, you know, me and you just kind of got after it, got on the weight gain. I gained, I think, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. Um, so I put me at like it's a lot for his yeah. body, as you guys can tell. Yeah. You know? So you know, I got up to like, <laughs> I think at the time I was like, you know, like 140 maybe. But you know, I came back that um, that summer and threw that bullpen for that team. And yeah, they were like basically, you know, you're gonna you're gonna pitch for us. And yeah, I told him, you know, I was like, yeah, I throw 80. And you know, next thing you know, I was basically an 88 to 90 guy. And um, that's kind of when my pitching career kind of actually began. And then that's when I ended up going to McCook and through there for. For two years then transferred out with some you know some offers and then threw out a university and then moved on to, to indie ball and played at the professional level briefly so yeah that's awesome what do you got andrew yeah so <laughs> you're nasty um yeah so in high school i was i was just like the regular travel ball guy like showcases five nine 135 pounds just pumping 78 and uh dude you lost some weight some yeah <laughs> but yeah no like same kind of same gig like i always thought like oh i need to get as much exposure as possible and just never really even thought about the development side i was like oh just long toss a lot hopefully gain some velo and then uh did well in high school like did well through travel ball and all that and then 
They're just like, oh man, like why am I not getting offers? Blah blah blah. Seventy nine, like not gonna play. <laughs> Went to JUCO, um, got a quick reality check. Like guys were pretty good, um, and then like that summer got redshirted, pitched well like through the fall and whatnot, um, and then. Yeah, I got redshirted. Was like, hey man, like you just don't throw hard. It's either like we're gonna just kick you to the curb or come back and hopefully you throw harder. And sure enough, like trained that summer, gained a lot of weight, and then was like 85, 89, and then yeah, like was good after that and uh, got a chance to play at the D two level. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, JUCO like biggest thing for me was just like reality check. Like hey, like you can't play if you throw 79 to 82. It just doesn't work. Um, but what, so, about if it, what if it's got good spin and good spin? Got it. So that was the other thing. And I had phenomenal it. command. Like my command was money, especially the year after. But like same gig. Like yeah. How are you, you Tay? Um, oh, we're skipping. Okay. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I. Fault, I dude. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Shots fired. What did they do to you? Okay. So yeah, I I you speak when you're called upon. <laughs> I kind of I peaked early. In high school, <laughs> we sucked. We sucked. <laughs> like I went, like I was a sophomore in high school that was like eighty six to eighty eight. That's you peaking. That was me peaking oh. in high school. Because after like high school, like throughout my like, and I so I committed to Seattle U my sophomore year of high school. Velo like didn't really trail up as like Seattle U probably thought. So then that ended up not working out. I ended up decommitting, and then. Eddie Smith, who's a who's the head coach at Utah Valley now, was the first junior college coach to reach out to me. I didn't really think that junior college like was an option for me because I was talking to like five or six different schools as like a sophomore. I was like, oh, I don't need to worry about JUCO. My dad was like, you should think about it. I was like, oh no, like I'm not going to junior college. No way. And so ended up going to a junior college for two years. Um, loved it. Um, Vivo ended up jumping. I like found a lot, like I found found things out about myself that I probably didn't know and like the way I pitched. And um, the big thing that like we talked about was just like having like a mindset and like how you're going to attack hitters, um, having a mindset like every time you step on the mound or every time you step in the box. Um, and that was kind of something that helped me grow up, um, helped me grow up a lot. Um, and also like the other thing that like people don't really think about when you're in junior college is we didn't have dorms. So I lived in a house, so I had to deal with all like the normal house stuff that adults get to grow up with. Um, and so that was like another thing that like, Helped me grow up a lot in junior college, um, but then ended up playing two years at Lower Columbia. Um, finished with a handful of offers, ended up going to Gonzaga, um, which was a hometown state. Got to play with a couple other Central Arizona guys, um, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, loved my time there. Um, we had a lot of junior college guys at Gonzaga, which was I knew like junior college guys got out there. I know some like some universities recruit heavily on junior college side. Some guys. Some universities go after more high school guys, um, but Gonzaga was one of those schools that went off after a lot of junior college guys. So I think we had like we had like six or six or seven incoming junior college guys in my year, um, which was awesome because we all came from different junior colleges, all had different experiences. Um, but we were we came in, we all came in ready to play. Whereas those freshmen in high school, and it's not all the freshmen in high school or uh, freshmen in college, but. A lot of them came in and they had some growing up to do in their first year, first couple of years. Um, so that was kind of one of the big things that I found out about junior college and just making that um, transition from Ju JUCO to a Division One. Love that. How about you, how about you Jordo? Um, pretty similar to Taylor. Peaked in high school. Um, threw well. Wanted to commit as soon as I could. Like instead of waiting for actually the right school, uh, went to a Division Two. Uh, got hurt. Um, in a non-baseball activity and well it was conditioning for baseball but it wasn't baseball and then uh, ended up redshirting my sophomore year came to Arizona which is home and went to Gateway Community College um, you know got a lot of innings a lot of development kind of like what Taylor taught there's a lot of that happens in junior college because you're not babied around you don't have a lot of things um, like all the benefits and perks that come with universities and stuff like that. You got to get your own extra work in, um, you know, you got crappy little water coolers. Like it's not a fancy place by any means. Um, so a lot of growing up happens and you know, the guys don't suck down here. You run into teams like central who put out an entire team of D one commits and MLB draftees. And you're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Juco baseball is real. <laughs> you're like, Oh, cool. I, all right, whatever. I think we're getting to the point too now, right? Where it's you, we can touch on this now. Is junior college baseball is not frowned upon to go to. 
right? It's guys strive to go to a, a JUCO like yours. You know, you can get recruits now. It's like you're a D1 guy. You might have just not gotten drafted this year as high as you wanted. You know, we'll go go to Conway School for a year and see you later. You know, get drafted next year, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because we still fight those battles every every day, right? All the things that you guys mentioned, the, uh, the facilities. We don't have the logos on our weight plates. We don't, like, you know, travel. We don't fly. We don't, you know, those kind of things where it's just – I mean, you're still fighting those battles because kids want that. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know – like for example, I mean, you don't have to explain um, a Power Five Division One. Like when you treat out your commitment, you might have to explain Central Arizona to someone. You know, so it's not quite as sexy, right, to commit to those places. But I think I don't know. As, as people kind of like you guys touch on, as you you grow up and you mature, different things are important to you. So our guys aren't the same people when they leave, and then when they get here, they're they they're different people. They're different players and. They have different uh, different things are important to them, right? And so maybe those the facilities and the those kind of things aren't as important as finding the right fit at Gonzaga or wherever it is, right? And so um, you know we got plenty of guys that you know when they come in tell me their dream school is X, and then they leave and their dream school is Y, you know, and that, that happens all the time. And we try to do a good job of um, like I, I, we're not big, for example, on like uh, blasting out like a, a tweet on like hey here's our uncommitted right-handed arm. I would rather make the phone calls, get to know the kid, get to know the school, think, hey, this might be a good fit, and I reach out to three or four of them. It's, it's harder that way, but I think we find better a better fit, and then we get less guys transferring out of the places we send them to because it's it makes it then the work on the front end. You know? It makes you look better, right? Yeah, I mean, it's more just about finding the right fit. Like, yeah. we want to just, yeah. you know, like, hey, I, I know this kid pretty well, and I know, you know, you know, Danny, Ev- Danny Evans at Gonzaga, and it's like, man, this is going to be a good fit. Brett Harris is going to be a good fit there, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Nick Iverson is going to be a good fit there. I just like, I, I know the personality match, and then and then it's up to the kid and the school. I mean, like, it doesn't bother me where they go. I mean, I don't, we don't have like a feeder school on purpose. You know, we don't feed them just to a certain school because that's unfair to the kid. Really, yeah. we want we want them to find the right fit, and so yeah, we try to do a lot of work on the front end to find those good fits and put them in front in front of a lot of schools, and you know and invite people out to campus and those kind of things. And that's what it's about, truthfully, is getting those guys ready for the next level, whether it be pro ball or a Division One or a Division Two, you know, but also having a chance to win, you know, where you're at. And you guys are in Grand Junction almost every year. You guys, what, took second this year? Yeah. You know, Thanks and- for a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, but it's just, it's just cool to see the success. Like, I, I remember – my JUCO was really good. You know, when I was at Lamar, we were like fourth or fifth in the nation, like 55 or 56 and 10. It was fun, you know, and I know all of us wouldn't trade our junior college experiences for the world, you know, and that was the funnest time in baseball in my life, for sure, hands down. I mean, there's no rules, right? There's no practice. There's no practice limitations, right? And, you know, you guys are in a, most of the time you're in a smaller town, crappier town, right? And, you get to build that bond with those players, you know, and, you know, we have some D1 transfers that we've recommended to you or, or to other schools or wherever, maybe, like you said, just said a good fit. But it's like, these guys care, these guys develop, you know, talk about kind of like how you run your practices, how you develop your guys, what, what that's like for people to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's, that kind of trumps everything else in our program, right? We want good players, good, good people and those kind of things. And we want them to move on. We want them to win games. We want them to graduate. And the only way that we can check all those boxes is by getting better. And, and it sounds cliche, but there's no, I mean, we've had, we've been pretty much, we've had a lot of success. We've had a lot of success before I ever got here. I mean, the school's been- Where did you take over? Uh, I got here in 2008 okay. as an assistant coach, and then I took over in 2015 as the head coach. So okay. Seven years as an assistant. That's my eighth year as the as the head coach. I've been here 15, 15 years, so nice. lifer at the moment. So, God damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, yes, I mean, everything, those, those boxes need to be checked by just, I mean, getting after it. And, and I think most junior colleges kind of uh, identify with like being blue collar. 
Um, you know, we certainly identify as kind of being like blue collar of the blue collar just because of where we're at. We're down in, the, you know, a little bit removed. It's not a sexy town. There's no distractions from school, baseball, and weights. And it's really that order, right, man? We get our schoolwork done, get our baseball done, get our weights done. There's plenty of time for everything else that you want to do and meet people and, you know, go have a college experience and those kind of things. But I think, uh, you know, for us, that's kind of the, the, the magic formula or the secret potion is like, man, you guys – the program's been successful and it's really hard in junior college because you lose at minimum half your team every year. Like half your team's gone, right? And then the good freshmen are gone too, right? They get drafted or they go off to division one. So you lose, you know, like an RJ Davidovich, he's only at our place for one year, right? Yep. And and so we'd love to have him back a, a sophomore year and, and guys like that. So you lose a lot. So there's high turnover. So the thing you got to lean on, in my opinion, is is the development and the hard work and and that just takes time and organization and knowledge, right? Those three things. So our, our coaches got to do a good job of being trained up and, and caring. Um, we've got to put in the time and we got to be organized when we do it so we can be as efficient as possible with, with the, like I said, I know we don't have time restrictions. Like you said, there are, there really are no rules. I mean, there, there are a few, but um, you know, within the time that we have, um, you know, we want to be organized and we want things to, to run smooth. And, and so, yeah, if we do those three things every year, and recruit good people, then we're out a chance. You know, we have a chance to compete at the end. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, like, what's what's kind of like? Uh, how long are your practices? Because you know, some some JUCOs I hear they're you know six hours long, right? And then some guys like have feel. You know, you know what I mean. And especially being down in Arizona, that's the ground, especially like it's it's hot, yeah. right? And you guys out in the field for you know, because we had a lot of your team here yeah. training with us, you know, throughout the course of the year. Which is awesome, you know, and that you gave them time to go do that. But, you know, like how like how how your how's your practice structured, you know, versus like one of our other experiences. Who had a long practice here in Duke? Anybody? Yeah, Taylor, you did. There were, yeah, no limits on that. Yeah. So like how like how what's the kind of like your timeline? And, you know, how do you see your guys develop the rows? You know, your your philosophy of practice. Yeah, it's a little a little different. Um, shorter. I mean, like I said, we three hours yeah. roughly. I and mean, that's like a gauge roughly like right around three hours or something like that. It's different um, in Washington, right? I, I grew up in Washington as well. So coming from lower Columbia, the weather's not as great. Right. And so when you do get a good day, it's like, let's stay out there for six hours and make sure we get all the reps we can. Yeah. Whereas here in Arizona, you know, for the most part, it's going to be sunny every day. So, you know, we don't need to do that as long as we're organized. We need a lot of work done in those three hours, but um, I, I'm kind of an, I'm a high energy coach. I, I like to bring the energy. I like short, stints of drills or practice things so we we do something for maybe 15 minutes move on to the next and 15 minutes next 15 minutes next and so i think it helps keep the guys engaged a little bit better um i mean you guys all know how it is like one guy's hitting 30 guys shagging and you know the left fielder starting to throw rocks at the right fielder it's just like everyone's <laughs> bored out of their mind right so it's like so we try to keep them engaged we try to have uh rotations and stations during bp and those kind of things and then if we screw something up early, like let's say we're working on a punt defense or whatever it is, a team defense, and we're screwing it up and it's brutal and we're, we're struggling, um, instead of just keep going. I've been in programs and I've done it that way before. It's like we're going to keep going until we get this right. And it's like that never seems to help in my experience. So it's like we're doing it on the 15 minutes. It was totally terrible. We're moving on to the next things. And I, I actually have at the end of practice, I have some built-in time for like a comeback time. Like, okay, we screwed up on defense. Let's we, we reset. Let's do it again and, 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 you know, run it back. Which is way better than most junior college coaches would say, hey, you screwed up on your bunt defenses, now go run. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like I'm not, I'm not a big – I'm not a big – it doesn't make it right. I'm not a big advocate of running for punishment. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think just for me, I think it's a waste of time. That's just my own opinion. I think it's usually done in frustration. Like, like I don't – like as a coach, I don't know what to do or how to coach them up in this moment. I'm so frustrated. Go run so I can have a breather and figure it out where, you know, I would rather – instruct, instruct, coach, coach, coach. And then, you know, like I said, the few of my players know, like if we run for punishment, like they're going to get buried. Because like I rarely do it. So if we, something really bad happens. So so I I don't do it just because we're screwing up a a bun defense, you know. And so if we do that, we're going to try to coach them up. And now I'm going to get pissed off, right? Like, you know, and you know, I mean, we might get into their ass a little bit, but like, it's not, um, you know, it's not like, hey, go run four poles. We threw the ball away. Like we just, like I said, that doesn't make it right. That's just kind of how, we do it. I mean, then running is not going to make a player a better player, especially at a junior college level, right? I think also then, too, kind of promotes, like, that fear factor at your own practice, where it's like, now if we screw up, make a throw, now we're going to spend the rest of practice running, whereas it's like, you know, you shouldn't have to worry about that while you're at practice, you know, as far as... Why it's called practice. Yeah, exactly, you know. Like, <laughs> 
We like, I mean, I'm sure you guys can uh, agree. I mean, I want our guys to feel comfortable and that doesn't mean that we don't coach them up or like I said, get into their ass when they need it and those kind of things. But I want, I want there to be a level of comfort where they can be themselves and perform. Like if you're always, you know, if you're tight or looking over your shoulder or wondering if we're going to run or man, I'm afraid to make a mistake. Like I just don't think you get the best out of guys. So we try to free them up, unlock them, so to speak a little bit and, and let them go and, and, but then correct them when it's needed. Right. And so it's not like a free for all, you know, we got to do our job and coach them up, but we like to have a little bit of freedom and for them to be themselves and, and uh, it builds a culture too. Right. I think yeah. so. I think so. I mean, the guys, like I said, I think the guys enjoy it. And I think as a player, really in any sport, but I mean, in baseball, it's like, you know, hey, we want you to be aggressive on the bases. Like, we want you to uh, be aggressive as a pitcher going in the zone. Like, and if you get thrown out on the bases, it's not like we're telling them to be aggressive and then chewing their ass for getting thrown out. It's like, be aggressive. And, and if you get thrown out, that's part of it occasionally, right? If you throw out by 20 feet, it's probably bad read, right? But if it's bang, bang, and they got you, like, you're not going to hear a word from us, man. You're probably going to get applauded for it. And yeah. the same thing with on the mound, you know, we're attack. And if you get hit, like, with your best stuff, then – you live with that. Yeah, you made a good pitch, and you can't prevent, you know, a barrel, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just you make a good slider down, and they hit it, and it happens. Yeah, there's other good players out there, too, exactly. unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> what's uh, what's kind of your favorite memory so far of being at Central? Oh, man, that's uh... – I don't know, there's, there's a lot. I mean, the people, obviously. I mean, yeah. I've met a lot of a lot of great people, a lot of great coaches, a lot of good players. I mean, um, you know, it's cool. Like in 2019, we won the national championship, and and uh, I think one of the cooler moments after winning it was all the people that reached out that you you didn't really know cared, right? And there were people that were following that you didn't really know that followed it. You know, I mean, I didn't. We, we, we had some fun that night, so I didn't answer my phone that night. But, like, uh, the next morning, uh, you know, I had, like, you know, like 400 text messages, you know. And it's, like, and it's just from people, like, alumni or people that are, like, man, we've been following you all year. Or like, it just – those kind of things just to know that people care because, you know, at our level, like, I mean, you get – we're getting 50 people in the in the stands. We're getting – I mean, it's not, you know, and then it's not – you know, it's just, it's not on TV, those kind of things. And so uh, just to know that, hey, man, people are supporting it and care about it and see that, you know, like, hey, man, you're doing a good job or alumni, we appreciate what you're doing or, you know, those kind of things. Like, those are some cool moments, I think. You know? I think it's cool that you said people versus winning, right? Mm -hmm. That's, we, you know, we're talking, we talk so much, like, you talk to anybody that comes in here, it's about culture and people, yeah. right? But the success of our athletes breed the culture. And I think that's, very similar to what you you've done at Central, right? In my opinion, I know a lot of us, all our whole staff followed your guys' whole year, which is pretty cool. I mean, we bought the package for the JUCO World Series and got to watch you guys play. And you know, Taylor and well, a couple of guys went to the games, right? Um, you Austin, 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 yeah, I mean, Taylor, and yeah, and, and Eric, you know. So like, we went to some of your games, and you know, I know you played, we had Taylor. How many guys did you have from Central? We had quite a bit. I think there's eight two. I think there's eight total. I mean, that's, yeah, I think we all had one or two. That's right. yeah, so we were, we were invested in it too, you know what I mean? Which is fun for us. Like, you guys are up the road and like half hour up the road, and you know, you know, we're kind of like that secret, secret piece to it. I felt like I was like, this is sweet. Like, you've seen all the success, you know, and we appreciate you just allowing the guys to come in here. You know, not putting a grip hold on, on them, you know? Yeah, I think I, for us, we, like I said, we want our guys to get better. That trumps everything else in our program. And so we're not uh, have a, a big enough ego or naive enough to know that they can get better in multiple places. Like, we believe in what we're doing, right? And so uh, we think they can get better there. But if, if they get a secondary opinion or a secondary workout or working on their body or working on something from someone else, too, I'm okay with that. I think so, a lot of people – um, or territorial about that and, you know, freak out like, hey, you're going to a secondary guy. Like I said, as long as it didn't interfere with, like, our practice schedule and what we were doing. Absolutely. Um, I, I tried to free those guys up to, like, yeah, man, like, something's going on push that really makes you feel good and you like and some training thing or some something going on there. Like, do it. I want you to be the best player you can be. And so I'm not going to, you know, uh, handcuff you there and, and uh, not allow you to do that. You know, I said, as long as it, you know, works within the framework of, you know, what we're doing and, and uh and those kind of things, it was all good. So yeah, I think we had we had quite a few people yeah. up there, you know, which was great. Hopefully yeah. this year, same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what are what are some what's been like your your biggest struggle as a junior college, as a coach or as as a facilities or 
as a school or whatever, you know, COVID is a little different, you know, right? You cheated me up, right? Like yeah. you were down there for our last camp. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, we had the water off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the water the main line broke for 23 days in June. No water <laughs> on the field at all. No water for 23 days in the middle of Arizona. And it was just, you know, and so <laughs> we're, long. yeah, it was brutal. So, I mean, we, we always joke around. We always say JUCO stands for just understand chaos occurs. And so <laughs> it's just like, you know, something's going to happen at all times, right? Like, it's going to be 100 degrees and, and the sprinklers break and the field's flooded. How do we get rained out on a 100 degree day or, you know, the bus doesn't show up or something. So you kind of just, you got to be able to roll and ex kind of expect the unexpected, those kind of things. But yeah, facilities is one thing that, um, you know, we're, we're trying, we, we built our stadium, which is, uh, you know, turned out pretty nice. Um, you know, upgraded our, our bullpen and our, our cage area, which are all pretty nice. So the playing surface is kind of next of the, of, you know, what we're going to try to do and, and get it going. But that's kind of the, the challenge just because we don't have the, the man hours or the personnel that like, you know, division one has where, you know, the players or the coaches don't even touch the field, right? Someone's doing it for them. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have to put in that work as I mean, all you guys know, and just kind of part of, of Juco, right? I mean, practice over, then it's another you know, half hour to, you know, grabbing rakes and dragging the field and leaf raking and the whole deal. So every junior college does it the same. And so um, just a lot of, a lot of that extra work, but I think that kind of helps build the culture too. And kind of the, uh, I don't know, just the investment, like man, I put a lot of time in here, you know, like, and so when things get tough, it's easier to push through those times just because it's like, I don't know, you haven't been pampered, you haven't been babied a little bit. And it's like, anytime it's tough, it's, it's easy to, to work opposed to roll over and, and uh, get after, you know, they Gateway's kicking our ass seven to five. We're gonna make a comeback or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, and so uh, yeah, so that was there. <laughs> so what you, guys, you guys turn around through RJ and then Iverson. That didn't go well. <laughs> you uh, you think that that aspect like facilitates buy-in from your your athletes? You know, like seeing seeing the coaches get after it on the field and take really good care of it, and you know, actually put their own time outside of practice into the into the program into you know the facilities that. I think so. I think it's just, I think the guys in, in any sport, in anywhere, really, probably business anywhere, I think like the employees or the players want to see their bosses or the people above them in leadership roles in the trenches with them. 100%. And the more that they see that, the more they're bought in, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just that they're more willing to take suggestions from you, more willing to take advice from you because they know it's not like I'm just showing up, changing your mechanics yeah. and leaving, right? Like I've been there all day with you, you know? I mean, for example, today, I mean, I was down there from 7 till 10, 15, working on the field, and then I had to leave to come up here for to, yeah, to moving day. guys. And moving so, day, day today, yeah, too, yesterday right? Yesterday and today, right? Yeah. So we got me out of that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so We strategically uh, planned this date. Yeah, so we, got, we got a couple of other guys down here. Um, so yeah, I do. You got to answer the question. Yeah, I and mean, I think it's just—I uh, mean, they just—I mean, you know how it is. It's just kind of like uh, you own some credit, right? If if you're in the in the trenches with the guys, and and that's how you know we talk about like the credit and deposit and withdrawals. Like so, I mean, it's like I mean, I'm sure you guys heard this analogy before, but it's like you know every time I work with a player, I'm making a deposit in them, right? Like I'm just deposit, deposit, deposit. Okay, hey, you want to stay after and hit the cages? Yes, yes, yes. Extra ground balls? Yes. Deposit, deposit. So when I need to make that big withdrawal, right? When I need to chew their ass, I have some built up credit with them. Like if you're always making withdrawals, and like then then they just say, heck with you, coach, or screw yeah. this, or I'm transferring, or I'm out of here, or whatever. Like you're just kind of like chewing my ass, chewing my ass, but you just keep making those deposits all the time, and then when you need to. And you need to get on them, then, then they take it okay, right? Because they, like, man, he's been in the trenches with me all the time. Yeah, that's something that I really saw when I was briefly a Juco pitching coach. But, um, like, I put a lot of – I was just starting out coaching, so that's that's what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to put all my time and effort into making these guys better. And, like, that's what I truly cared about. And I even – when I left, a lot of the guys came up to me and were like, you know, hey, like – we really appreciate everything you did. We appreciate the time you put in. Like we noticed that you were working really hard and that made us buy into what you were saying. And I definitely felt that when I was coaching too. It was just like really cool to see and like kind of a huge unlock like for me, like, man, maybe this whole care factor like is the biggest aspect of coaching. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I think the, the relationships that you build with the players is a little bit deeper because you're just, you know, the restrictions on practice time. Uh, you're on the field, working on the field with them. You're, you know, you're, you're the weight room guy. You're their academic advisor. You're their equipment specialist. You're the travel agent. You're, I mean, you do everything. Can't get away. 
Yeah, I mean, you're, you're 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 all over them, right? You're everywhere they go, and so like for example, and we have great turnouts, which is pretty cool. One of the coolest things about Central, in my opinion, is the um, like alumni turnouts that we get and the support. I mean, it's just uh, and that just tells me that they had a great experience, and so when they they want to come back or they want to donate time or money or they're you know come to games or whatever it is, and so like I mean, we'll have an alumni weekend. And, uh, you know, we get like over like a hundred guys that'll come back and this nice. is for a Juco, you know, yeah, and, like, awesome. and then, and then we have a golf and there's like, you know, we have like 30 pushing like 30 foursomes and stuff like, it's just like, you know, it's a pretty cool deal, you know, just to come back and it just shows they enjoy it. They care like the people, whether I was their coach or not, I mean, it, guys, they have guys coming back from like the seventies, eighties and like, they have, they have all their war stories of central. And so it's, uh, it's cool. It's just a kind of a cool. Yeah, community really for sure. cool. How did, how did you, transition from being you know the assistant coach to being the head coach how did that transition go for you yeah so john went to use the head coach um i was his assistant for seven years he's the pitching coach now at, at uh, grand canyon and and uh learned, learned a lot learned a lot from him just uh he always had good the teams were really good you know and something i learned from him was you know you're like i, I was a recruiting coordinator at the time and it's always like was always super proud of my recruiting class right and, he, and his answer all the time was i think we need one more guy Every, no matter how who we had, I was like, we need one more guy, and so that stuck with me. So I think that's true, you know. And so now our, I, I find myself doing the same thing with our guys. Like, hey, you feel good? I'm like, I need another guy. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, just the transition was like when you're one seat down, it doesn't see. You always think you're prepared, but one seat down, it, my head was spinning in 2015 for sure. Like, I mean, I went from 14 thinking, and I got this thing. Like, if I ever become the head coach, it's it's on, right? And I went to 15. I was like, damn. There's a lot of work that you don't realize happens, and it's just a lot of paperwork and a lot more administrative stuff and organization. And um, so it took me a year um, coaching the coaches, which is one thing that I wasn't prepared for. I just figured, oh, they're going to know what they're doing, and like it was my fault. Like I, I need to organize them and push them in the right direction, and here's your responsibilities and empower them and all those kind of things. And, and I didn't do that my first year at all. That was a you know something I just wasn't prepped for, and so um, I learned that over the next years. And so, but yeah, it's just. Uh, um, you know, uh, learning to delegate, um, you know, I mean, as a coach, you've got your hands as a head coach, you get your hands a little bit in everything. And, uh, maybe you were an infield coach or a pitching coach, but sometimes you got to delegate that to someone else and it frees you up to be a better head coach, you know? So, um, so I mean, that's all learned and that's a learning process for, for all of them. I'm, I'm continuing to do that for sure. I mean, you learn every day, right? That's, yeah. You know, yeah. If you're, that's what I tell these guys. These guys tell tell me still. It's like they want to learn. They're eager to learn every single day. And we're Brent and I had the same conversation late late last night. So we're teaching the same stuff we did even last year or two years ago, ten years ago. We're falling behind in the in the industry, right? And you know, for me, I'm at the point now. So it's like I do like you know staff development stuff. Like Andrew and I sit down. Right, he's a little newer. We sit down. We go over his programming. Or Jordan and I touched on some load management stuff yesterday, or whatever it may be. Right. So it's it's always education. It's always learning. It's always back end stuff. And then you get to go out and have fun. For me, it's coaching on the floor with our guys, or you know, seeing you guys win ball games for you, or you know, competing in practice. And you know, I think it's, there's just so many different factors that go into success than just recruiting a good player. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the ceiling, right? The yeah. talent, talent is the, is the, or sorry, it's the floor. Yeah. The talent's the floor. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, 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 okay, I'm talented. So I'm always at least going to be this good, but like your work ethic and your character, and that's the ceiling. Right. And so where are you going to be in between? Like, okay, I'm all this, all that, like, okay, that's the floor. Right. And so you, know, you need all the other stuff to really make it, make it good. And so I'm with you. Like I said, I mean, the, by the time the game comes around for us, the, the work is done. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, my I, I could probably screw it up more than win it in game time, and it's just the opposite in practice. I feel like I can win it more in game time or practice time, uh, and so that's where we, we kind of really push our guys and get after our guys, and then we get into the game, and the coaches pull back a hair, and the work's done, right? And so, um, you know, and we hopefully the stuff that we worked on during the week worked, and if it didn't, then back to the drawing board, and, and uh. So, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, coaching is unbelievable because especially at junior college, because like half my job is white collar where I get to like manage budgets and manage scholarships. You're playing GM, right. And you're crunching numbers and you're um, doing travel and staying organized. And then half of it's blue collar, right. Where I'm on the field, getting dirty, man, a rake, 
rolling ground balls, hitting fungos, whatever it is. Like, and so you get to work with young people. It helps keep you young, and it's just, I, I mean, I, I love it. You know, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So, I mean, I haven't had another job since I graduated college. So. That's good for you. Yeah. Like, that's huge. You know, and I think that's that's important for any athlete or any coach to hear is just, like, how you love what you do, right? And that's a coach that you want to play for, right? And the coach I played for at Lamar Crampton, who's still there, but he's the athletic director now, but he's been there. How long has he been there? Long he's time. Been, yeah. And he's been a phenomenal coach. He's my favorite coach I ever played for, mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned so much from him. We have hilarious stories and he's a hard ass. You know, I was skinny and small and he would just throw fastballs inside of me and yell at me about swinging a wet newspaper because I was weak <laughs> and small. And because of him, literally, I think of, you know, because of him, I, I do what I do today, mm-hmm. you know, and that's because of junior college baseball, truthfully. And, um, you know, it was the same thing with my head coach that yeah. I, uh, I coached under. He had been there for, I think it was his 21st year. It was my first year. And, like, it's just someone who truly cares about about the the program and truly, like, loves baseball with all his heart. Like, it was just awesome to, like, get my introduction into, yeah. into coaching from him. It's, it's cool, too, because now we have the opportunity. Crampton hires push performance every year to do their strength stuff for spring, for fall and spring. So like I haven't I have an invested interest into Lamar still, yeah. right? And I've what twenty years removed or whatever, not not twenty years, but still giving back know, to the program. Still, yeah, exactly. And I had say in the new the new weight room build out and like we had a two hour conversation on we need this for this, we need this for that, we need that, you know, in the weight room. It's a dungeon ass weight room, the downstairs in the dorms, and nothing's changed, right? But now there's badass lopes, you know, logoed equipment and it feels like you like got a little spoiled now, right? And like it's cool for me to give back to the junior college that way, at the at that level, is because I went through it. I know what it did for me. Like I, like I just said, I was, you know, I had a I had a good arm, but like my bat was shitty, right? I was literally swinging a wet newspaper, but my bat would go backwards, and that's something I always remember in my head. I'm like, damn, this really changed my life. The way he did the strength and conditioning and stuff, how much stronger I got, and now I I can make a career out of it to help guys, you know. And that's literally stemming from the junior college level, which is which is sick, right? And, you know, how, I mean, Taylor, how about you? Like, what was your kind of favorite thing about, about Juco? Um, just, well, kind of going back, just how the coaches kind of have their hand in everything. Like, I'd be, like he said, like, I'd be walking to class at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and Eddie Smith would be out there on the tractor with his shirt off. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see that. But, Mo, but Mo, like, mowing the alcohol grass. Um, and just seeing how much he cared. And he had been at, he had played in Notre Dame. He had been a GA at Virginia. He'd been a assist, uh, part-time assistant at Virginia. And just seeing, like, what kind of knowledge that he bring back to us and whether it was, like, just sitting down talking baseball or talking about, like, the mental side of the game um, and kind of going over, like, all aspects of the game and then how how much of a hand that he had in the recruiting process. Like, I'd probably talk to him every day. Um, hey, what do you think about this program? What do you think about this program? Do you have a relationship with this coach? And just how many people that he knew. Because that's, like, one of the big things – when you're kind of picking a junior college, at least it was for me, is like, okay, hey, what kind of connections does this coach have? And this coach may be like, well, I have a good connection with UW. You're like, and that's it? Or I have a connection to this. And I want, like, when I looked at Eddie Smith and saw him as a coach, like, he had connections to everybody, which was exactly what I was looking for. Um, but just, yeah, the, the the care factor and how much that he cared about us, um, not only as baseball players and moving us on to the next level, but also um, – but also as pe- people and humans and kind of, we looked at it like our team kind of looked at it the same way as like our coaches didn't want to be there. Um, as it was kind of different up there, just Juco baseball is, we have like our own little league in the NWAC, which is, it's kind of funky, but it's all wood bat. And, but like the coaches there, they wanted to move on as well. Like it was junior college for them too. At least I looked at it that way. Um, and then from there, like our, our couple coaches that we had already had moved on and kind of made progress. So it's, it's been fun to like, because they follow us, but then we also follow them as well. So it's it's a life it's a lifelong relationship. Now you sure. still have now you know you're in contact with Eddie about our players now, mm-hmm. you know, and you have that as a resource. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, same thing with, with all of us, right? And you know, I we got one of our kids an offer to Metro State where I played yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, which which is sweet. Like just called him up. Hey, like he needs a spot to go. He's a really good arm. You know, got hurt and had his D1 scholarship pulled. And he's per- I mean. Metro is a perfect place. It's a D one, but it's a D two, right? It's yeah. it's a huge school. It's a perfect fit for him, and he's gonna love it, you know. And um, how are you, B? What's, what's kind of your favorite memories about JUCO? 
Um, I think it was kind of like everything that we've all talked about. Just, you know, like you said, you're kind of usually in a small town. Um, so it was kind of cool just to be obviously in just like a place I hadn't been before. So first time away from home for a little while. Um, and then I just think the, the camaraderie and the family that you kind of build with just your teammates. Cause you know, usually if you go baseball, you're, you're most likely probably, you know, shacked up in the dorms and the dorms are obviously not the best. So you know, you're, you're living with some dudes and it's, you know, not the most ideal, but it's like, you guys are all there for the exact same reason. And then, uh, you know, you kind of talked about it, like just the fields, usually it's like, you know, like I know for when I was at McCook, it was kind of like a partnership with the city. So like we were only able to do kind of so much to the field, but we weren't allowed to do some things because the city kind of technically had the rights as well. So it's like your field was a boom box, by the way. So, yeah, that, that field was big, but it was just, you know, like just the stuff that you were, you know, like you just weren't pampered, you know, like you, you know, like there was stuff we would have liked to have done. Like we would have liked to have like maintained the mound to like a certain, yeah. you know, portion, but the city wouldn't let us touch it. So it was just like, all right, well, now you had to kind of like deal with that type thing and like make the best of the opportunity. Whereas like if it was, you know, D1, you can go to the ground screen and be like, Hey, I need you to shave an inch off or, you know, do this type thing. And, you know, you can make the mound exactly how you want to throw it when you go to throw that night or whatever, um, to an extent. And then, um, but yeah, I just think it was just the overall experience, you know, you're there for, you know, probably one to two years and, you know, it's, it's a family type, you know, atmosphere. And it's just, it's just an experience that, you know, like you said, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's just, it makes you like if you love baseball and like Juca really makes you like find out if you love baseball. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, Andrew and uh, Jordan, you guys are a little bit different where you guys went to schools in bigger cities, right? Baloney's in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about like that experience, you too, Jordan. Like, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, so it's kind of like in the heart of the Bay Area, but like, um, yeah, we kind of got a little bit spoiled. Like, my first year coming in, we got a brand new field, all turf. It was sweet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was actually kind of nuts, but fucking grinding all over here. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're not a Juco grinder. No, no. Grinder. If you had a nice field, does not mean we weren't Juco grinders. No, right. it does. <laughs> no, but like you say, it's the same thing. Like, I guess a little different from me. Like, I was, I, I, lived, I still lived at home at the time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say, like, coolest memories, just, like, kind of, like, looking back now is just kind of the freedom I had and the the level of um, like trust that was able to be gained from the coaching staff. And I, and I noticed that with a lot of the kids who did like really care. Right. So it was like the, the kids that like wanted to get better and like went out of their way in the summer and like over winter break and things like that. And like sending videos to their coaching staff and things like that. Like there was, there was a little bit more freedom and trust be gained to do the things that you want to do. And it's not just like, we're your coach and this is what you're going to do and you better like it kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of like input from them as well, obviously, but like, um, yeah, I think that, and the other thing is just like the, there's just a ton of dedication from the coaching staff. Like the, the head co- or the, uh, the assistant coach there was the, the custodian at, at the school and he was there and he literally had the job like just so he could coach. And it was just the sickest thing. He's been there for like eight, nine years. And, um, yeah, he like worked volleyball games or basketball games, and like I got to work with him there too. And it's just like he—he's like he's like my friend now. Like he's a really good friend to me now, and it's it's cool to, to kind of get that relationship too. Not just a, a coach, you know. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't have a turf field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a field in Mesa that the city took care of. Um, that was about as hard as the asphalt on the parking lot, and you pound a ball into the dirt and it's going to bounce all the way into the outfield. Um, but so you got a lot of hits. Huh? I was a pitcher, so I gave up. It. Still grounded out. Uh, <laughs> That's true. No um, loft on that swing. I've seen you swing in the cage. A lot of loft. Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the relationship with my head coach. Like, I literally had a phone, or a, was texting him yesterday and we have a meeting set up next week. Like, just continuing that relationship um, one of my groomsmen at my upcoming wedding is somebody I played with at junior college and met there who we both went on to play uh, at our university together with. Uh, and then he ended up coming in here and I freaking coach him. Like, so meeting somebody like that at that team along with the coach and just still having that relationship to this day. Um, and you know, one of my, my best friend's brother goes to the school because I liked the coach. And I knew that he would like really invest in um, him the same way he invested in me. 
because like at the end of the day, I feel like we're all trying to be the person that we wanted or we needed when we were playing. Like, you know, that's always, that's my why. And I just, you know, kind of gravitate towards coaches that do the same thing. And that's what you get at probably that. Yeah, I mean, it's just investing. Like, our coach, or uh, Crampton and Lamar, just give us a key to the indoor facility. We had an indoor facility. That's yeah, even not more big, big. Not And lights. And lights. Fuck, dude. It was, it's a sweet park, I'm not going to lie. You play there? Homer down, though. Oh, dude. Like, 370 to dead center. So, we, we played, one quick story about Lamar. We played at a district in Lamar in 2010. Uh, so, the winner is, of course, like, the setup is like a four-team double elimination yeah. tournament. Uh, winner to uh, injunction, right? And so us, Lamar, I think it was like Western Nebraska, I think was in that one, and, and Southern Nevada. Those years that Bryce Harper was in Southern Nevada. So we played him earlier in the year and those kind of things. I remember this. Actually. And, and uh, you know, we were playing back then. No, I just remember yeah. talking to Crampton about it. Yeah, so we were, so we had played CSN a couple times. They are a good team. And, and uh, so we came through, we played them early in the year, played them, um, or we came through the loser's bracket, um, and they were the winner of the winner bracket. So we had to beat them twice, and so and they were a good team. And, and uh, so on our scouting report, it, it, you know, in big letters, it has, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, do not let him beat us, right? And so at Lamar, it's like, it's at like, because at, so at Lamar, it's like, I don't know what the dimensions are. I'm telling you, was it 365 to dead center, 370 ish? And three ten down the lines, right? So like and barely, and barely, the wind just barely, howls barely. out. The wind just howls. It was like that that time we were out there. It it's like, the middle, of, like middle of nowhere. This, this is oh. right. This is right when the video is going around of Bryce Harper hit one like six hundred <laughs> feet at seventeen. Yeah, they, they had, yeah, so they had so he's like yeah, seventeen years old or something like that, and so it's it's three sixty to dead center. It's like three forty to the gaps. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. And yes. uh, it's howling out, and uh, so bees are bats still. Yeah, and, and, then, and then when you go to this uh, portion of it, it's, it's a Back. It turns into metal, so yeah. all three regions are, are oh, it's are wood, wood. Are usually wood. So now yeah. you're yeah. using yeah. the yeah. fucking metal because it's yeah. cozy. So bad. we're swinging metal bats. So we're like, it's stupid. You know, so we go and, and uh, do not let him beat us, right? And so we we end up we win game one, and we it was like uh, we won something, something ridiculous, like twenty five to like eighteen, or something like that, you know. And uh, Bryce Harper goes like over five, right? And we're just like whatever, man. This guy, like you know, like we got him. We got one one by ass. Like we got him figured out, you know. And so we're like, you know, we're pretty proud of ourselves. We got to like half an hour later in drag field, run it back, winner to Grand Junction, right? And we're like so. Um, so we get in there and, and uh, we lose game two. The same same score pretty much it was like twenty five to like we scored like six runs in the first and then they scored like seven in the bottom of the first or something. You know, it was like something ridiculous like that. And uh, but yeah, on the end end of the uh, day, he went six for six with four homers and twelve RBIs. Oh and so it was like right when like it was great because like you know on baseball's night and those kind of things were like. You know, they're like Bryce Harper projected number one pick. You know, six for six, four overs, twelve RBIs. Like, who is this team pitching to? Who? I was like, that's us. You know, <laughs> we had them figured out. You know, over you know, four game one. I we had a uh, we have we, I mean our pretty much our whole team was like D one guys, like transferred D one guys. Kid from Arkansas, Steph Lowman. You remember that name? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, came in from Arkansas, big lefty. He he played in the big leagues for a little bit after. He hit a ball, like there's a highway, Brandon, you know, in right field. Yeah, right there, he hit a ball over the highway in right field into the Dorn parking lots, which is like a 500-foot home run, right? But it looked like it was 1,000 feet because the, the field was so small. And it literally broke somebody's windshield inside the parking lot across the highway on the other side of the street. Like the, the wind just like used to the wind howls out and it's – we played the district there in 2019. There we won it. That's where we had to play yeah. to go as well. Like all our I don't know how we won so many games there. I was just like, what do you mean? You hit more homers. Yeah, yeah you guys match. Crampton made us lift weights. There we go. I was playing at Gateway Community College. There's 360 in the corner. Other teams play on the same field though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, was, it was cool to swing up then before it was cool to swing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you get the ball in the air, the ball's going to go out. You know? Not just hitting backside ground balls, you know that at that field it's going to be a, a bomb. But yeah, that's you know, Grandpa would invest in us and give us you know keys to the indoor facilities, and you know we had tons of pitching machines and there, just you know auto feeders, and just guys would go in at midnight and hit. It was just like a different kind of culture where you go to university, it's like you're limited to what you're limited to, and I think that's moral of the story. Is like I think I I 
firmly believe everybody should experience junior college baseball if they're not if they have the opportunity to because a lot of guys you know secs and all that kind of stuff a little different playing playing right off the bat but i wouldn't trade my experience for the world you know and you know we appreciate what what you guys do at that level and i know it's I know it's a juke grinder for you too you know yeah. and it's, a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys highlighting junior college baseball. Saying if I ever get the opportunity to do this kind of stuff, I always do it just because it's. Uh, like I said I don't think junior college baseball gets highlighted enough. Just you know, nationwide. I mean, it's uh, it's not just central. There's 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 good programs everywhere. There's a ton of good programs. Oh, you guys went to good programs people, too. So yeah, people always think that you go to JUCO because you weren't good enough to go to uh, a university, and that's just not the case at all. How many guys did you just have drafted in the last draft? We had four current guys and three former guys. So seven. Claim seven. I don't know if that's a seven, but we had three, yeah, 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 three, three former guys and then uh, four from the actual team that yeah got got second. Yeah, got what, second. Uh, yeah. What do you like knowing that? Like you had seven guys drafted, right? Like me being from the Northeast, like JUCO almost is like non-existent for guys to like say, oh, I'm just gonna go to JUCO. But like you guys will have seven guys drafted in the year. So what do you what do you think is like the disconnect or like what do you guys do from a recruiting a recruiting standpoint to like have that territory or like anywhere on the northeast because like you don't like I didn't even know JUCO was a thing until Bryce Harper came out yep. and that was when I was in high school yep. <laughs> and yeah. still even still I didn't even know that there was a difference between JUCO and community college like there's not a difference it's the same thing yeah it's it's uh, I mean like so there's a bunch of uh, misconceptions we got to fight like like you said I mean it's all the players not good enough, which really isn't the case, or oh, they have to have bad grades, which isn't the case, or oh, there's some flaw. I mean, like, I mean, a lot of people choose it just because of, they maybe they want to get drafted. They do have the opportunity to go to Arizona State, and they just choose not to. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we have great students. We have, uh, you know, a lot of good players, you know, that chose to come here. And, and I think from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, they, like at Central, the history sells itself a little bit, um, you know, which I'm thankful for, like I said, well, before I got here. And then, and then just for us, we just like I in the recruiting process, I try never to sell anything. I try to just be ourselves and have conversations like we're having right now. And it's like I'm should be myself. This is what we're all about. If you're about these things too, then this might be a good good place for you. And I never want to, you know, um, you know, tell you a bunch of things you want to hear, and then you're sitting in the dorms in October going like what Man, this is anything you told me to be out of here, right? So, um, I we have you know a bunch of things that we believe in, and I just, just try to talk about that opposed to selling it. But I mean, being here in Arizona, we're really fortunate. I mean, it's the hub of spring training, we got the weather, spring training's close. There's area scouts, cross checkers, GM, scouting directors that all live right here, so it's easy for us to be seen. And then we're on this like recruiting super highway between Phoenix and Tucson, so ASU, U of A. So it's like real easy for those scouts to just stop at our place. You know, just our location is, we're lucky. I mean, people try to like never negative recruit against us. Like, oh man, you're down past ground. Like, we love it. It's perfect, you know? And so, you know, they go down to U of A issue and, and we're right there. And so we just get, you know, some eyeballs on us, you know, more than maybe, maybe the most. Yeah, you get that true Juco feel being in a shitty town, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. for me, like, that's what I think about. I was like, dude, Lamar, like dog shit town, but dope baseball you know yeah. and but for here it's like what other south mountain's pretty good right yeah and we had guys in the bigger cities but like you know that's they're a little spoiled they're in the middle of phoenix here it's like yeah you guys are in you know town of what five thousand people yeah not, not too many we're yeah. actually our address is coolidge but like i said i've probably been to coolidge like four times in my 15 years and yes yeah. so. we might need to talk about what the definition of spoiling yourself in phoenix means because <laughs> well, I mean, you can go to a better, better restaurant. Go to yeah. The only, the only thing to do in grocery grocery stores cool is play baseball, man. Get better and develop. Yeah, you have a shorter drive there to a grocery is, store. There is that. Yeah, but, that's what I mean by spoiling. Not okay. the field. Part. Cool. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys, dude, man. Thank you. Absolutely.